Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are How's everybody doing today? Maybe we could start off with uh, a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody had an amazing holiday season. I hope all you guys were safe. You had a good time with family. I know me and my wife did. You know, man, I, I really love Christmas time. and I think we're in an interesting season. We're in an interesting season this year. I think maybe we could all agree on that. But nonetheless, no matter the season that we're in, for sure, we know one thing is true, that God has ordained us to be living in this time at this exact moment. Can you guys agree with that? Yes. So we're here, and it's weird times. It's weird things that are going on. It's, it's sometimes things that are unexplainable that we just question, like, Lord, what is going on in this place? But no doubt, he has ordained for us to live here at this exact moment, at this exact time. So with that said, coming into a new year, I think we have a great opportunity. A great opportunity to love our neighbor. And that's the title of the message today is titled, but although I've been thinking about the title and I actually might change the title. So if you're taking notes, let's change the title. It's going to be more than your neighbor. Let's go with that. Let's go with more than your neighbor. And we have a great opportunity this year to not only love our neighbor, but to serve our neighbor. But our hearts need to be in the right place to accomplish this. I got to tell you guys a little story about a neighbor that I had that is very difficult. (laughs) And I know some of you guys could probably relate to this. So not too long ago, I woke up, it's around 7 in the morning, my dog's scratching the door, he wants to go out. So I do my daily routine, I take my dog out, I'm walking him down the block, and there's a neighbor that lives across from me, he's a very interesting character, his name is Jerry. We'll just call him Jerry. And I've never met this individual before, I've never spoken with him before. So I'm walking my dog Archie down the street, and Jerry's looking at me. All right. I just, I give him a nod. Hey, it's early in the morning, man. I'm like kind of in pajamas walking outside. Okay, this guy, but man, this guy's like really staring me down. Like, what is going on with this guy? So the stare turns into a nod. You ever know, like, when somebody looks at you and they just go, mm, mm, mm. Have you guys ever had somebody do that to you? That's what this guy was doing to me at 7 a.m. So I just take a step back and I start looking around. I go, man, is this guy looking at me? What? I'm just, I'm just here with my dog. And he's looking at me. He's like, he's biting his teeth and he's like, hmm. So, yeah, no. And I keep looking. I go, what's this guy's problem, man? Like it's 7 a.m. How do you wake up so angry at 7 in the morning? So nonetheless, I get my dog. I'm not on the guy's property. My dog's not doing his business on his yard or anything like that. So I get, all right, let's go, buddy. And we go back inside. 
and then my flesh gets the best of me. I, I tell my wife, I tell her, you, I don't understand. I'm out here with Archie, and, and this guy next door, baby, you know, he's looking at me weird, and he's shaking his head like in disgust, and he's really upset, and I don't understand what I did to this man. I've never spoken with him. I don't even know what's going on. She goes, I just let it go. It's 7 a.m. You know, who knows what the guy's going through in his life? You know, we should pray for him. Okay, okay. So my wife goes back to the room, and man, I'm just in my thoughts in the living room. I go, no, I can't let this go. I got to go, I got to go talk to this guy. So you see, I had a good intention. I go, yeah, Lord, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go serve him to see if he needs help because he was doing yard work outside. So I go out there. I left my dog inside. I go, hey, how you doing? And he just looks at me. He goes, hi. I go, hey, I haven't met you. My name's Omar. I'm your neighbor. He goes, oh, hey, Omar. I'm Jerry. I go, nice to meet you, Jerry. I have a question for you. I noticed when I was walking my dog, you seemed a bit agitated. Is there something that happened? <laughs> and I get almost, I must have caught this guy off guard because he's like, oh, no, I love dogs. I go, okay, because you seemed really upset when I passed by, man. I just want to make sure, you know, it's not something that I did. Did I offend you? I've never met you before. No, 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 no. Everything's good. I go, okay, Jerry, no problem. You know, if you ever need anything, man, I'm right across the street. Feel free to ask. Have a good day. So did I actually serve my neighbor? I don't think so. You see, the intention was good, but my heart wasn't in the right place with it. And it's funny because a couple weeks later, I'm outside again, and I see Jerry again. And the first thing he did is, hey, Omar, how you doing? Hey, Jerry, how you doing? So where am I going with this? We need to love our neighbor, but it needs to be authentically. Our, our heart needs to be in the right place with this stuff. It's got to be in the right place. So ask yourself this. Is it difficult for you to love difficult people? I think the struggle can be real here for some of us, right? We tend to love those who agree with us, who share our same values and views, and who love us back. But what about the difficult person? What about our neighbor? Or better yet, who is our neighbor, right? And I've seen Christians battle this so many times. Yeah, but you know, we really don't. That person really isn't my neighbor, well, let's, let's kind of, you know, let's break this down for a second. Maybe a good definition of neighbor is this. Is any person that is near us or any person that has a need? So I think that this message in here today is going to be for many people. And I know that deep down inside, you know, times have come where maybe you need to confront some things. So maybe today is a great day for you to be here to confront some things that we need to fix within us. So if you're taking notes, like I said, we changed the title. It's no longer love your neighbor. It's more than a neighbor. And I know some of you are say, man, I picked the wrong day to come to church. Because I just got this neighbor that no matter how hard I try, I just cannot love them. Well, church, today the I can't turns into an I will. All right. So who is your neighbor? Let's break down the actual word. The first part of the word is nay, right? Which means any person who is near us. And the second part of the word is bore. So which means a person residing or near us. So in essence, whoever is near us is our neighbor. 
doesn't necessarily mean that you need to know them exactly who they are, but if they reside around you or they're near you, they're your neighbor. And I love what I, I love the parable that I was talking about earlier of the Good Samaritan. I'm sorry. It's not the Good Samaritan. I'm going to talk about the Good Samaritan. I spoke about the woman at the well. It's Sunday. Thank you. Yes, she is a Samaritan. Yeah, good observation, Betsy. Okay, so the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you guys have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be reading verses 25 through 37. So let's start on verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And I love these next verses because now Jesus is really going to lay the tracks and the foundation of who your neighbor is. Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed him on the other side. Verse 32, so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed him on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Check out verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So here we have the picture. Jews and Samaritans hate each other, right? They would avoid crossing paths at all costs. Have you ever met someone who you really wanted to avoid? I think we've all met people like that, right? We just want to avoid this person at all costs. We're like, oh man, look who's coming. Turn the other way. I know you've been shopping at Publix and you've seen that person. For sure, right? You're going down aisle number five. You're looking for the ramen. And just as you turn your head to the left, past the white rice, here comes Betty. And I haven't seen Betty since high school. Man, I'm turning the other way. I've been there. I've done that. Right? We want to avoid people at all costs. But it's crazy, right? The Samaritan and the Jews hate each other. But at this exact moment, the Samaritan didn't see division. Something wasn't the work in the heart of this Samaritan. He didn't see religion. And it's funny because actually religion saw the man that was in need, right? A priest had passed him. 
a Levite had passed him, and the two so-called representatives of God failed to fulfill one basic need, to love their neighbor. The Samaritan didn't see status. He saw a man that he never met before with an immediate need. Right? He didn't call somebody for help. He didn't dial 911. He didn't go down the road to get his friends. Immediately, he says, man, this person is in need. I'm taking action. He took action. He displayed love. It's easy for us to speak love, but it's different to act upon love. Right? And I look at verse 36 and 37, where Jesus says, Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? And the experts of the law, the one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise, Jesus says. And it's awesome because here Jesus tears down any wall when it comes to who needs to be served. Go and do likewise, he says, without question. If you see a need, fulfill it. Don't wait, don't hesitate, don't put it off. Take action. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. I'm not sure we know this, but you know it's commanded for us to love our neighbor. We see this in the book of Matthew. Let's go here, Mark 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. It's funny, now that I, I read this verse, I, I read this verse and the word debating, every time that Jesus has an encounter with these people, they're always debating him, right? Like not that many people just sat there and said, man, Lord, wow, this man speaks words of life. But the people who had or possessed a thousand scriptures thought that they knew better. Better than the words that Jesus was saying. I still get off track here. Noticing that Jesus had given them the good answer, he asked all of the commandments, which one is the most important one? And Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And I think sometimes we overlook the second most important commandment, right? But Jesus was the greatest demonstration of it because he came to love the unlovable. And loving our neighbors can be tough, no doubt. Man, but we're commanded to do it. That means laying aside pride, unforgiveness, and bitterness. And showing an authentic love for all people. Not just those who are nice to us, but those who are difficult as well. And we see this in Luke. We see what Jesus does here in Luke chapter 6. He says this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So how easy is it for us to show love to those who love us? But the true heart of Christ is to show love and compassion to all people. Not just to those who share our same values, not just to those who are our friends, but to those who are difficult. 
to those who have heard us. Have you guys been there before? These are the words of Christ, man. This is what Jesus is telling us to do. But I think so many times our flesh just likes to rise up. Man, and we just want to get even with people. Man, we want the revenge sometimes. No, this person hurt me too much. They did this, this, and this to me, and I can't let it go. Man, but our reward is great when we do this. Look at verse 36. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. With all people show mercy, love, patience, grace. Because much of it has been shown to us, right? And those are fruits of the Spirit. Patience, love, kindness, tenderheartedness. Those are fruits that every believer has. Fruits of the Spirit. Love the difficult. And there's a reason why loving your neighbor is the second greatest commandment. Because by your love for one another, the love of Jesus is shown. And by loving your neighbor, the love of Christ is shown to the world. How else is the world supposed to know the love of Jesus if you're not showing them the love of Jesus? And how easy it is, is it for us just to love those who we choose? We've all been there. I love that person, but I'm going to love them from a distance. We give the craziest excuses. And listen, I'm not saying that sometimes the excuses are not justified, right? Because I know, yes, we're going to be hurt by people. And people are going to do ugly things to us. And they're going to they're do things that are unspeakable and unimaginable. We understand this. But man, Christ is calling us to forgive. Christ is calling us to love. Right? I love them from a distance because they just hurt me too bad, Pastor. They just treated me too bad, brother. You just don't understand what this person did to me. I love them from a distance because I'm not like them and they're not like me. Have you ever thought of this, that maybe the real reason why somebody treats you bad is actually has nothing to do with you at all? But it might have, it might have everything to do with what is going on in that person's heart. It's a reflection of what is inside. And maybe we choose not to love our neighbor because we aren't reflecting Jesus, right? We just came out of a series. And maybe we haven't won the war within. Pastor Rigo said this. He said, if we struggle loving people, then we are struggling to love God. Is the world around us affected because the world within us is infected? And I think that's a time where we have to really take a step back and say, man, I have to examine my heart here. What am I speaking? Am I speaking life to people or am I speaking death to people? What is rising up in me that I am unable to love my neighbor? I'm going to go through three quick points with you guys. Point number one, don't let bitterness take root. Man, and I have struggled with bitterness in the past so, so, so hard. I have just in the past have allowed bitterness to overtake, to overtake me, and it's usually due to pride. Have you guys been there before? Have you ever allowed bitterness just to grab hold of your heart and you just don't let it go? Right? You can't let it go. And what happens with bitterness when it starts taking control of you? It starts to change you. It starts to change your heart. It starts to change the way you think. That's why point number one is very important. Don't let bitterness take root. 
And this is the problem. If I allow bitterness to take root, it's going to affect every aspect of my relationship with that person. A heart of flesh quickly becomes a heart of stone. And Jesus had plenty of opportunities to deal with bitterness and be bitter with his accusers, right? Plenty of chances to lash out. But every time Jesus was confronted, I always see this in Scripture, he responded with correction and with grace. In 1 Peter 2, it's going to be 21 through 23, it says this, To this you were called because Jesus Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Check out what Jesus does. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to whom judges justly. In other words, we need to leave this to God. <laughs> we got to leave it to God. Notice that all things that Jesus did and did not do, he left us a model to follow. So number one, the first thing he did, let no deceit come from your mouth. The tongue is so quick to condemn. I felt guilty of that. A hundred percent. Especially when we've been betrayed, right? We're so quick to speak ill, to throw venom. Man, what we speak in that moment really sets up what position our heart is going to take. So when we feel those feelings coming on, of man, oh, I just want to get even. What am I going to speak about this person? That You're at a crossroads there. And it's very important what you speak next. Because that is going to lay foundation of which way your heart is going to turn. The tongue is powerful. And from the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak, is what scripture says. Are we speaking life or death? We need to choose our words wisely. Look what Jesus did. Number two, then do not retaliate. Do not retaliate. It comes to all of our minds. How am I going to get back at this person? How am I going to get even? We start to plot. We start to strategize. Man, and we play it over and over in our minds. What am I going to do? How am I going to get back at this person for what they did to me? And what we choose here is going to set up the position our heart is going to take. The same way with bitterness. The same way when we speak things, it's going to set up your heart in a position to see which way it's going to go. And lastly, Jesus does this. Make no threats. Walk like a lamb to the slaughter. No need to prove anything to anyone. The first thing we want to do is we want to get even. We, our flesh rises up. We want justice. We want things to be made right. And we don't want to wait. We want to lash out. And we want justice right now. We want that person to feel what we are feeling. We want them to hurt the way that we are hurting. Right? And what happens if we don't seek the Lord when we get hurt when we're feeling this way? Bitterness begins to take root. The heart begins to change. It becomes callous. Just the thought of that person or that group starts to boil your blood. And in anger, we commit more sin. I've been there. I've been there. Sometimes the best response is no response. That's actually really the best thing to do. Is not to respond when you receive that text message from that person. Or you're like, oh my God, Fulanita said what to me? She's going where? 
She said, what about my kids? She said, what about my marriage? The best thing to do is not respond. Don't respond. Go to the Lord in prayer with these things. Right? Because if we don't go to the Lord in prayer and we respond quick, the majority of the times is going to be a fleshly response. Right? It's not going to be a spiritual response. It's not going to be a response of grace and of mercy and of compassion. It's going to be a fleshly outburst that we're going to give. So don't respond. Don't respond. I had a situation like this yesterday with someone, somebody in my family, that I had to confront something. And they got a little upset at me. You know what I did? I didn't respond. That person's not in the right mindset to, to hear or receive what I'm going to tell them. Do not respond. The effects of bitterness go way deeper than ourselves. It bleeds into our relationships. It goes into our marriages. It goes into our friendships. It goes into our families. Little things turn into big things. Small comments that didn't mean anything now become offensive. Have you guys been there with people that just the littlest thing that they say, you start to become so irritated with them? And there's people that, this is what we justify. Man, that person just knows how to push my buttons. Maybe I haven't won the war within, right? Not to allow buttons to be pushed. We become so agitated, man. We get sensitive with words. We get sensitive with others. And that's why it's so crucial to kill bitterness where it starts. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32. Look what Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus here. He says, let, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. But now look what he's saying to do, right? These are fruits of the Spirit, so we're going to read. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And that's what I said. Sometimes the best response is no response. No response gives us time to really seek the Lord in the matter. For Him to give us wisdom on how to approach it. Because if we approach it in the flesh, the outcome is never good. Man, we got to take a breath. Be kind, be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Method for approaching bitterness. I put this here in my notes. I worked with somebody years ago that this man did something very ugly to me. And every time I saw him, my blood would boil. Every time he would walk into the station, I'd be like, I cannot believe this guy is here again. It was bad. Have you guys ever had somebody like that in your workplace or your family? Just, just the thought of just even seeing them. It's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I have to leave the room. I don't know what I'm going to do with this person here today. I had somebody like that, and I worked with them. But as I started seeking the Lord in this, and I started to to get counsel from much wiser people at the time. They told me this. They said, man, why don't you serve that individual? I go, what? What do you mean serve them? He goes, yeah, man, take them out to lunch, do something nice for them, pray for them, do something for them. I go, how am I going to? But you, you just don't get it. You don't know what this person did to me. How am I going to go and serve this person? Well, are you insane? I couldn't fathom that. So one day I'm sitting in the office and this guy comes in and the bitterness starts to rise up again. And I said, man, Lord, I can't handle this, man. I don't know what the purpose, I don't know what the lesson here is, but I'm going to walk in faith, Lord, and I'm going to pray, Lord, that you hold my tongue, and I'm going to pray, Lord, that you hold my emotions here, and I'm going to serve this man today. So he comes in, and it was a thing that we just don't even look at each other. So I look at him, and I'm not going to say his name. 
I say, hey man, how you doing? And he looks at me in shock. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I go, hey man, I heard your dad wasn't doing too good. His dad was sick at the time. I heard your dad wasn't doing too good, man. Just know, can I pray with you about that? He said, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we could pray about that. So I went outside. And I don't know if we got into prayer. I told him I was going to pray for his dad. And, and I looked at him and I told him, listen, man, I know we've had our things here at work. Um, but at the end of the day, we work together. We have to see each other all the time. And I forgive everything that you've done to me. You got to remember, the forgiveness of me saying that I forgive him, in his mind, he may think that he never did anything wrong, you know? But I was listen, man, I forgive you for everything that's, that, that you've done to me, okay? All right, we need to move past this. We got to move forward with this. And he just looked at me like in shock. He couldn't understand it. He couldn't comprehend why I was approaching him this way. And let me tell you what God did to my heart with that. The bitterness was gone. The anger was gone. Doesn't mean that I forgot what was done to me. Right? I just forgave what was done to me. Doesn't mean I'll forget it. Doesn't mean I would ever trust this person again. Right? But I'm moving forward. And I choose to say, what you have done to me, I'm no longer going to be attached to it. I'm not going to be a slave to what you've done to me. Right? I'm not going to have a chain around my legs, a chain around my neck. Every single time that I see you and I start to get these feelings, I'm saying I forgive you so I could detach myself from the wrong. Because if I keep living in the wrong, how am I going to go and start walking in the right? Have you guys had something like that happen to you before? Don't let bitterness take root, man. Start loving your neighbor. Confront it. That's what I did. I confronted it. And I'm not a confrontational person at all. I'm really not. But when I start feeling these feelings, like, man, something is not right with me and an individual, I confront them. I'm not saying for you to do that. You know, confront them in, with, with wisdom. You know what I mean? Not in an aggressive manner or anything like that. But I will confront it. I'll say, hey, brother, I don't know what's going on with you and me. But something's going on that we got to make right. If I did something that offended you, if you did something that, man, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. And you see how God starts to change the heart and starts to change the attitude and starts to change the thinking. It's crazy. Confront it. Confront it with love. Confront it with the fruits of the Spirit, right? Be tenderhearted. Serve this person. Point number two. Forgiveness which is probably the hardest one, right? A good question to ask here. What has unforgiveness cost you? Really think about this. I'm sure we could go all, all around the room and we could tell how unforgiveness has wrecked relationships in our lives. Who's that family member that you haven't spoken to in years? Right? Because we just have too much bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. Who's the friend that you just cannot find a way to forgive because what they've done to you? Who's the person next to you that you just can't seem to forget and forgive the wrong that they did to you? Let's be real with this. Unforgiveness has a cost way more than it's worth. It costs you a lot more than what it's worth. You want peace with people? Forgive. You want to have joy with other people? Forgive. You say that you bear the image of Christ, then you have to forgive. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. For if you give, forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Like, are we really thinking about this? Are we really thinking about what Jesus is saying here? I hope we're not the type of people that says, no, that doesn't apply to me. Man, because if you're taking the title of Christian, this is applying to you. Look how serious forgiveness Jesus is talking about forgiveness here. Forgive others your trespasses. Your heavenly Father has forgiven you. If you do not forgive them of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. That's pretty, that's pretty serious. That's pretty serious what Jesus is saying here. So how do we stand before God and say that we fail to forgive a brother when God has forgiven us? Really think about this. And think about all the things that God has forgiven you in your life. And will continue to forgive you. You guys remember those old computer papers that were attached to each other? You know, that you put in the printer and it comes out and then you get to tear the little things off the side. How many things God has forgiven me for? I would take those computer papers and I could line the entire city of Hialeah with it. Picture that. How much paper is going to go around the entire city? That's how many sins God has forgiven me for and is going to continue to, give, to forgive me for. Forgive them. Whatever it is that they did, Catch this, they did not sin against you, but against God. Let the Lord deal with their hearts. They're not sinning against you. A struggle that many people have for sure, forgiveness. We just can't let go, or we choose not to let go. It's a very different statement. We choose not to let it go. And unforgiveness is usually the product of bitterness. And if we kill the bitterness, then the unforgiveness can never take root. That many times we have to understand this, that forgiveness is not even, I, I spoke on this, it's not even for the other person, but it's for us. When we get to a place where that we surrender, we say we choose not to be tied down by the wrong of another. When we disconnect from the wrong that someone else did, we free ourselves. We're no longer a slave to the wrong, but we walk in freedom to what is right. And I don't know if you've ever heard people say this. Well, I'm not Jesus. I can't forgive the way that he does. Whose spirit lives inside of you? Right? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the will to forgive lives inside of you. So don't say you can't because the power of the living God says that you can Start forgiving your neighbor. Start forgiving your brother and your sister for the pain and the hurt that they have caused. We're commanded to. As much as we have been forgiven, therefore, we also must forgive. And how are you going to do life with people here? Or how are you going to do life with people in heaven if you can't even get along with them here? How are you going to do life with that brother or the sister in heaven? If you're having issues with them here. And we're to give an authentic forgiveness, right? Not just saying it because it's the Christian thing to do. We forgive because we have been transformed. We have a new heart, a new nature. And in our act of forgiveness, it testifies to the goodness of the Lord. It's got to be authentic. Not saying, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. Okay, forgive you, but... 
still spitting venom about that person, still speaking ill about that person, still when you see them, you give the person the cold shoulder. No, man, we're talking about a real forgiveness. We're saying, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you. This is not my battle to fight, right? For the battle belongs to the Lord. That's what we have to say. Lord God, I don't care what this person has done to me, but I know what you have done for me. And that's what I'm going to walk in. I'm going to walk in that truth and what you have done for me. Because yes, men and people may fail me. Men and people and women and everyone in my church and my friends and my family, they may fail me. But Lord God, you will never fail me. You will never fail me, oh Lord. So we have to walk in that. We have to walk in that. And that's why I love the gospel. Because not only does it provide you salvation, but it also changes your heart so radically that loving your neighbor becomes second nature. It should be something easy to do when the gospel has penetrated your heart. Don't let unforgiveness take root. Love your neighbor. I'm going to go to my third point. Worship team, you could start coming up. Point number three. Love and serve. This was the heart of Jesus. That no matter the cost, he came to love and serve others. Love your enemies. Right? Seems humanly impossible, but not spiritually impossible. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. And how do we all win over difficult people? By serving them. The exact story that I told you. You serve the person. You serve your enemies. That's how you win them over. Love the unlovable. Serve the difficult. And you will begin to see an attitude change. A heart change. And the most important, a change begins to occur in the spirit realm. To love our neighbors, we have to win the world within. And it starts with our heart. If our heart is one, the Lord, then loving our neighbor will be second nature. It's going to be easy for us to do this. And I love this. And you guys probably know this scripture because it's used a lot at weddings. And it's Paul and he's in 1 Corinthians 13 and he's talking about love. And I love what Paul says here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And look what Paul says in verse number four. Look how he describes what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres love never fails we'll go to verse 13 and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these paul says is love 
Walk in the Spirit and you will walk in love. You could have so many gifts, church. You could have so many talents, church. You could be the most popular. You could have the biggest platform. You could have the biggest following. But without love, you are nothing more than a clashing symbol. Do you guys know what our mission statement is? Does anybody here know it? I feel like a teacher just calling on someone. Say it again, Liz. To ignite an authentic love for God and people. Amen. Ignite. What is ignite? To fire up. To be contagious. To let your light shine authentically and not fake. Not for show, but for true fellowship from the heart. So church, it comes down to this. If we are, if we are not able to love our neighbor, then the real issue is not with them, but it's with us. It lies within our heart because the heart of the Lord is to love our people. And if we aren't able to love our people, then we must do what scripture says and examine ourselves. Take a step back and examine yourself. And as I wrap this up, I leave you with this. We know where love starts. We know that love starts with the gospel. It's the only message that can turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. You guys can stand with me this morning. I pray that, or oh, I know this, that's why you're here today. I know that there was one point where you heard the gospel and it completely, radically changed your heart. That's why you're sitting in this place today. The message of salvation, the message of Jesus, it starts with the gospel, the foundation of every single believer. It's like I said, the gospel is the only message in the world that has the power to transform someone. It's what Christ did on the cross. And I love the gospel. And many of you that know me personally, you, you know that I'm one that likes to go out into the world, into the street, and to proclaim the gospel to people. Not in a condemning way, not in a judgeful way. Man, because I want to bring people to living waters. I want them to come and see and taste that the Lord is good. But I want you to know this, that the gospel is as much for the lost as it is for the believer. And we know this gospel, right? That we are unworthy because of sin. We have turned from God's ways and we have gone our own way. And because of sin, it has separated us from God. And I don't know if you know what scripture says about sin, but let me tell you how serious God takes it. Because God says in the book of Romans that for the wages of your sin is death. That's how serious sin is to God. That he is given the death penalty for it. And everybody is with Everybody has sin. It looks different in all of our lives. We all struggle with something. 
And there is a penalty to be paid for our sin. And that is to be eternally separated from God forever if you die in that state. But church, I have good news for you. That's what gospel means. Gospel means good news. And this is the good news of the cross. Is that Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago. And while Jesus was here, he was mocked. And he was beaten. And he was whipped. And he was spit upon. And then they gave him a crown of thorns to place upon his head. And then they gave him a cross and they told him, march all the way to Calvary. And on Calvary, he was nailed to the cross for the sins of the world. The story doesn't end there. Because three days later, Jesus resurrected, taking victory over death and victory over sin. And now the Bible says, church, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That is the good news of the gospel, that Lord God, I was a wretched sinner. But now, you choose to call me son because of what your son Jesus did on the cross for me. An exchange was made on the cross, church. It is me, it is us that should be nailed to the cross. But yet Jesus, in his love and his mercy, came and took that punishment away from us. And that's the best message that you can ever, ever hear and receive. That now by repentance, faith and trust in Christ alone, you can be saved. I pray that everybody in here today has heard this gospel before. Right there where you're at, church. If you are someone that has never heard the gospel or has never heard it presented in such a way, Lord, I pray for you right now in this moment, Lord God. With every eye closed, Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room, oh Lord. For every person that is watching online, for every person that may share this, this sermon today, Father God, that the truth of the gospel just resides in their heart, oh Lord. Lord Jesus, because the transformation of a person's heart begins with the gospel. And in order for us to love people, not just our neighbor, but to love all people, the transformation of your truth, the transformation of your word needs to take root in our hearts. So Lord God, I pray today, Lord, that there is someone in here, Lord, that is hanging on to bitterness that is hanging on to unforgiveness, that just cannot find it in their heart to serve someone. Lord Jesus, I pray in your mighty name that those chains are broken right where they stand. I pray today, Lord, that you begin to minister to the hearts of your people in here, Lord. That our heart begins to be transformed more into the image of you, Lord Jesus. And that rivers of living water just spring forth and spring out of us, oh God. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your people, Lord. I thank you for the season that we're in, Lord. Even though the season that we're in may look ugly to some, we know that it is for a greater purpose, oh God. And that your word says that you are working things out together for the good of those who love you. 
So I thank you, Lord, and we give you the greatest honor and the greatest praise in here. Together, God's people say yes and amen. Give them the greatest praise in here today. Amen.